Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors, brought to you by Trax Power Sports. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. Our host is Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to KSL Outdoors Radio Hour number two and the final one for another week. And still a lot to get done here over the next uh, hour before we turn it back over to. Uh, Tana and Maria. Yes, your greenhouse is back this week after a Sundance edition of uh, the movie show last Saturday. I'm sure there were those who were tuning in to find out about pruning trees and shrubs and uh, ended up talking about movies. Uh, but they are back this week to answer your questions about all things green. So look forward to that between 8 and 11 o'clock this morning. Navi is uh, en route to whatever ski resort they were headed to today. So he's going to sit this one out. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we are going road tripping with uh, Bob and Mark. I think I just got an email from Mark a minute ago. Where did it go? Anyway, uh, we'll find out what they want to talk about. There's an eclipse coming, and so they mapped out some areas here in Utah where you could uh, actually camp or uh, plan to use as your uh, uh, headquarters for uh, a viewing of the eclipse. And we'll look forward to running down that list and probably find a few places that maybe you didn't have already on your uh, schedule to go see and do within the uh, state boundaries. So look forward to uh, that in our next segment. At 7.35, I mentioned that at the top of the show today, I was trying to remember if it was five or six years ago that my wife Becky and I, I had an event over in uh, uh, Paris, France for Glory Kickboxing, and we planned a little side trip because one of her dreams as a skier her whole life was always to go and experience Chamonix, a place her twin brother had actually competed in freestyle events way back when in the 70s. And so I had the opportunity to do that. We flew into Geneva, got a uh, a uh, shuttle bus, and, and headed up to see what Chamonix was all about. I actually got to ski the longest off-piste ski run in all of Europe, which is about 13 miles, called Valley Blanche. And uh, somebody asked me about it the other day, and I actually stumbled across the interview, one of two interviews that I did in preparation for our trip to Chamonix. So we're going to share that with you in our Snow Day segment coming up. And then Roger Eggett from Bear River Lodge will join us, sponsor of this great program. And uh, we'll get a little report on how his uh, outing last week, he was the only guy leading the way of, I think, 13 or 14 women that were out for a a women's snowmobile ride that they spent the weekend and enjoyed uh, together time last week. So that should be fun to find out how things went. Right now, though, looking forward to a conversation about something that I'm proud to say we experienced, both Russ Smith and I, as we went down into uh, Delta for the annual Delta Snow Goose Festival. It's coming up again and scheduled to happen uh, February 24th and 25th. I say scheduled to happen because we're kind of at the mercy of the birds themselves. Johnny Neal is a wildlife rec- recreation program specialist in southern Utah. 
Johnny, you and I were talking about it a minute ago. You can't really – and people complain about this, which is always funny to me, that somehow you can control nature. Uh, but uh, you, you are at the mercy of when these birds move through. You you just know that traditionally uh, that's the target is that last full weekend of February. Yeah, yeah, and and it's usually, you know, the, the either third or fourth week that they show up in, in their greatest numbers, so – you know, we do our best to predict exactly when they'll be there. But again, yeah, wildlife can be unpredictable, and and, and we've seen this with other some of our other like events we've done, like our bald eagle viewing event. Some years we have you know twelve bald eagles there, and this year we had one. So you know, it's just that's wildlife. It's tough. To- to predict at times. Last half hour, we were talking with uh, our friends up at Three Bear Lodge in West Yellowstone, and uh, we were laughing about the fact that there are people that actually complain to the National Park Service because they came to see the bears and there were no bears. Now, this time of year, they're kind of hunkered down in hibernation, so you're not going to see them, but somehow people thought that just like an animatronic at Disneyland, you'd be able to traipse them out uh, for people to see (laughs) on their vacations. It just doesn't work that way. At its peak, yep, at yep. its peak, though, I mean, twenty thousand geese. I that was the estimate the year we went, and what a what a wildlife show. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great event. Um, last year was actually my first year ever going, um, just because there used to be conflicts with uh, like the perch tournament, and then it was closed down with COVID for a little bit. Um, and I've only been with the division for five years, so being my first opportunity it was. It's really fun going out. Um, again, last year we kind of missed the the peak of all of them. Uh, the weekend before they had, you know, over ten thousand between ten and fifteen thousand, and then the week that we had the event, we had, uh, you know, between one and two. But even still, seeing you know a thousand birds come flying over the skies onto the reservoir was awesome. So I'm really hoping this year we'll see that you know up to 20,000, 15,000 ish. Cause I, I can only imagine how much more spectacular seeing yeah, and the res- that many more birds flying the, in is. The reservoir we're talking about is Gunnison Bend Reservoir, which is just west of Delta. And again, the target date is the 24th and 25th of, uh, of February. You do know too about uh, the habits of these birds once they get on the water and it, it they fly in and they fly out. And man, I would tell people, to time your uh, either in the mornings or in the afternoons when those birds are on the move, that's really when you get a show because they're headed to and from the fields to do some feeding before coming back and relaxing on the water. Yeah, and and, and it seemed like uh, last year the morning was one like you know like it seemed like all of them came in the morning and then in the afternoon you'd have you know like a hundred fly off here and then a few later and, and they kind of all left within the a twenty minute span of each other but they weren't quite as in a as big of a group but yeah they, they kind of work like clockwork you know you get there around you know if you're there at 9 nine thirty, you'll definitely be there early enough and then they'll show up between 10 and 11 stay on the lake for a few hours and then they'll head off in the evening and it's it's really cool to see them flying as a big group one of the reasons i ask you about expectations is because we have heard with uh the water with the drought in certain places that more birds are concentrating in areas where there are water and so you know, that would lead you to believe that if the timing is right for them to migrate through, you may see more birds this time just because maybe they didn't find water in a couple of places they would normally stop. Yeah, that that could be the case. And, I mean, there's a lot of conditions that, you know, determine when they move. You know, temperature is a big one and, 
and uh, our biologist last year, I was talking to him, he said on years where the, the lake is, or the reservoir is actually frozen, they usually stick around longer because they, they'll wait for it to thaw out so they can actually spend some time feeding on the reservoir and, and doing that stuff before they migrate further. And so, you know, a, a lot of different things come into place to see how many birds there'll be, when they come, when they leave, and whatnot, but yeah. Yeah, when they're on the move, it's uh, it's something to see and something that, you know, you've only seen in movies to that point. But they have black tips on their wings, so they, you have white snow keys. When they take off in uh, great big flocks and then they shift according to the wind or move the other way, those black tips uh, reveal themselves. And it's almost like watching art live in the sky in front of you. Yeah, I feel like it's like a scene out of like a National Geographic or something like just, you know, so many birds coming in. And again, last year when I saw it, it was only between one and 2,000. And so if you're seeing 10,000 plus, it's going to be even that much greater. Like it, it, it was it was a really cool opportunity um, for people just to come out and enjoy wildlife to doing their natural thing it's really fun the year we were there there were experts there and there were you know some displays where you could learn a little bit more about the snow geese while you're watching them so you bring a camera or binoculars or whatever and i know that uh, the year we were there they also had those set up for people to look through but is that the plan again this year yeah so uh, me and uh, another employee are going to be at the reservoir um and then we'll have another biologist in town because in delta they do some other things they have like you know, like a prize raffle and they have a um, like quilt show and a movie matinee and some other, you know, events going around in town for the festival. And so uh, we'll have a biologist in town and then me and another employee will be out in the reservoir with spotting scopes and some information and um, also just kind of making sure people aren't, there is private property out there. So trying to keep people off of other people's properties while they're trying to see the snow geese, cause that can sometimes be an issue. Yeah, we did. Uh, we actually went around to the other side from where everything was set up. I don't, I don't know if it's East or West, but, uh, we found a spot yeah. to get closer to the birds and then found out we were in somebody's driveway, uh, basically a yeah. pr- private property. You do need to be careful about that. Make sure you dress warm. Uh, and I know that you try your best anyway to have good signage to guide people in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll have signs like directing you from Delta to the um, how to get out there. And, and once you get to the reservoir, there's like the little peninsula that I'm sure you're familiar with. And, and we're right on that first like beach area. Um, and last year, the, the geese were more on the north end of the reservoir. And so people did have to travel from where we were a little bit closer to get a good view. And, and there was one place that... Uh, they have like a little business there that they were, you know, willing to let people go on their property. So there are some people that are willing, but I think you just don't assume that and just stay off private private property if you can until someone says you're allowed to go. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing and maybe a once-in-a-lifetime thing for many, for the whole family. February 24th, 25th, Gunnison Bend Reservoir. Get there if you can in the morning, 9 to 10.30. Be there in the afternoon to watch them come or go back to the fields between 4 and 6. Johnny, thank you. It's a pleasure getting to talk to you for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I had a good time. We'll take a break, and we'll go road tripping with the boys, Bob and Mark, coming up next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. 
I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio. Going to do a little road trip in here uh, with the boys, and we aren't playing your theme music. We'll explain why here in just a second. We had another idea, but Bob Grove, Mark Wade, back with us today. And Mark, thanks for setting us up with uh, Yellowstone. That was fun last half hour. Well, I think that was me. Yeah, that's what I said. Thank <laughs> you. You gave credit to Mark. Oh, did I? All right. Yeah, and I appreciate. It. I'm, I'm, I'm always glad to take credit for what Bob yeah. does. Mark, thanks for poking Bob and making it possible for him to get up out of that chair and uh, set that up for us. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I don't want to waste much time talking about anything else because we need some ramp-up time to explain why we're going to be talking about this little ring of fire. So this becomes your theme music for the week from Johnny. Love is a burning thing. Which is perfect for Valentine's Day. And it makes a fiery ring. Why would we be talking, Mark Wade, about a ring of fire today? Well, coming up later this year, in fact, on October 14th, it's a Saturday to be exact, there is going to be an, a, what they call an annular eclipse. That means that the, the moon is going to shield the sun almost in its entirety, but there's, it's not going to cover it enough to not leave a ring of fire around the moon from the sun. And oh. so when this when this kind of thing happens, a lot of people seem to migrate into the go to go view this event and it's happening to be passing over a lot of Utah. Yeah. And so we want to talk about that. Well the reason we're trying to get some advance notice for everybody here, Bob, is because hotel rooms and good viewing spots tend to go quickly. You know, we think that there's a whole group of folks around the world that just follow these eclipses, and they're they're one step ahead of everybody, and they start booking these rooms out pretty quickly. Um, we're noticing that already, but if it's something you're interested in doing, we know that those places will be sold out. The last big eclipse was in 2017, which was a total solar eclipse, which is a little different. Rather than the ring of fire, it's got the halo. Yeah. If you recall, in 2017, the last uh, annular eclipse was in 2012, and mm. it actually came over parts of Utah as well. I was in Canaraville that day where it came over right over the top, and it filled that little town of 500 people to several thousand. So mm. we know these are popular. Yeah, I remember there were a lot of people that went to Idaho to try to, try to find viewing spots for that one. Where are we talking about exactly, Mark? Well, we... Uh... We, we're going to see this pass over, for example, places like Delta and Fillmore, and it's going to work its way on a diagonal path all the way down to the Four Corners region of the state. So if you visualize that in your mind, it's going to pass over Richfield and then over Torrey and Capitol Reef and over Bob's one of Bob's favorite places, Tickaboo and Lake Powell, and on over to Blanding and the Four Corners area, Bluff. So it's going to be a beautiful pathway and it's only going to last a short while it's going to be a daytime event a morning event on that morning yeah but it would be great to be in a place bob where you didn't have a lot of uh light pollution again it's going to happen during the day but you're not going to have a lot of buildings and things that might get in the way 
No, that's going to be going over some areas with beautiful landscape, Monument Valley, uh, Gooseneck State Park, uh, the whole Glen Canyon area, Capitol Reef National Park. It'll come close to Bryce Canyon. Most of it will be in that area. So it's going to come over some of the most beautiful landscapes that we have in the state. And then you mentioned about light pollution. That night is new moon, so you actually get a dark sky because the moon's out in the morning. So at night, there's no moon, and you're going to get this beautiful starry sky and you'll be able to see the Milky Way. So you get both the Ring of Fire and a stargazing event. Yeah. Hotel reservations are going to be important, uh, Mark. But the the other thing that we saw when everybody headed to Idaho was they were parking everywhere and they didn't care. And uh, you want to be careful that you stay on roads. Don't mess up some, you know, beautiful land out there. These are beautiful places. We want them to stay that way. Well, Bob and I may be one of those people that's out there on our public lands. You've got all the forests and the BLM areas that you can get out onto. And of course, you can stay for up to 14 days in some of those areas without a fee. And uh, anytime people get out onto that public land area, we're, you, all of us in this show today are all interested in making sure that people don't treat our lands poorly. And we, we all see evidence of that. And, and after an event like this, we'd love to see that everything looked the same as it did before people came. Yeah, so that's October 14th this year, the Great American Eclipse. I'm going to recommend everybody get to your website, Bob, because they can uh, map out some of these areas and maybe find some reservations or a place they'd like to stay way in advance. Yeah, we'll have information on there. We'll talk a little more about it, give more of the details. You know, Chickaboo, Mark mentioned they'll be going over Chickaboo. They're going to be doing an off-road event. For those who want to bring their off-road machines, and they're going to go up to Sunset Pass in Glen Canyon to view the uh, eclipse. And so this is what's going to be happening throughout that path that the eclipse will be going over. It's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, you know, the, the 2017, I remember where I was. I was at Mount Rushmore. Mm. It, wasn't, it was about 96 or 97 percent, but I have a picture of me and my group looking at the eclipse with Mount Rushmore in the background. Wow. So, it's a it's a memorable experience. Yeah, that's great stuff. All right, so uh, put that on the calendar, and again, just look for information. Road tripping with uh, Bob and Mark. Road tripping with Bob and Mark dot com. Burns, burns, burn. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. Guys, thank you. You bet. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. We'll take another break. News update on the half hour, and then uh, I'll take you back to a trip that Becky and I made ah, five or six years ago to Chamonix, France. Just in case that's on your bucket list. Next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.